Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Mesher-Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're visiting with Tom Chapman, Executive Director of the Iowa Catholic Conference, the public policy voice of the bishops of Iowa. We'll be discussing the overturn of Roe v. Wade, but also the latest on pro-life laws in Iowa, including the Iowa Supreme Court's ruling that abortion is not a fundamental right and other issues. But before we get to today's interview, let's find out what's on the bishop's mind. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. Uh, already July is winding down, That's but right. so many good things. And uh, you can say I see things through a bicolored lens. On all things, but uh, you know the month of the Tour de France, which is wound down, and all the mm. marvelous <laughs> scenes that are there. There's just always there the tour rolling and uh, winding up in Paris. But uh, the uh, rag bribe will be not winding up not in Paris, but in Lansing, Iowa, tomorrow. Mm. So those hardy souls who've been making their way across the state, the traveling caravan of twenty thousand or so people uh, making their way and tasting the Iowa culture uh, on so many levels and uh, consuming pie in, in massive quantities. But uh, so. Hopefully everyone in, ends up safely as they you know, ascend and descend some uh, hills there on the eastern part of the state, and another great rag bride comes to a conclusion. Uh, a biking-related event that was kind of tied to our uh, theme today is thinking about life issues. The uh, Biking for Babies uh, group that had started in Minnesota mm-hmm. made their way through Des Moines. It's a new leg of the Biking for Babies that ultimately concluded on the uh, 16th in St. Louis, but they stopped here in Des Moines at the, mm-hmm. in St. Francis of Assisi. I was fortunate to celebrate Mass with them on the 13th, and they were, could kind of give witness where this organization, which has been in existence since 2012, over a million dollars raised for pregnancy resource wow. centers. So again, trying to remind and tell people that uh, we have been about the business of, of supporting life far beyond the the uh, preborn in such a way. And so I think that those who are combining the best of both worlds, cycling and advocacy for, for human life, a uh, marvelous thing. Our uh, contingent of our Des Moines diocese was uh, present, uh, thanks to Tom Quinlan of the St. Joseph Educational Center and other support that was offered. Des Moines had the largest uh, group of folks down at the Divine Renovation USA conference in Dallas, Texas last week. And uh, just uh, Father James Mallon and his marvelous team, I think, kind of sparking us in terms of uh, our own initiatives with visioning in the diocese. And, uh, you know, I know there have been parishes such as uh, Sacred Heart, West Des Moines, Father Chris Hartshorn, Father Ray McHenry, who handed off the reins now to Father Joseph Pins as pastor and Father Ray's retirement. We wish you a happy retirement, Father Ray, by the way. (laughs) And uh, releasing some of that yoke of uh, pastoring this large parish, but uh, no doubt you will be as busy as ever as most retired priests are. But uh, so we'll see, you know, some of the insights and wisdom of divine renovation. And I happen to be the only bishop uh, who was present. So, you know, hopefully the Holy Spirit will be continuing to guide me and looking at creative ways to be church and to bring the gospel and encounter and call to friendship and the call to community and communion in Christ in a bold way articulating our teachings, too. Uh, another little initiative is people wonder what I'm up to uh, when I'm not in the saddle, which I have not been able to. Uh, I finally got on the Wabash Trace uh, uh, path from Imogene a few weeks ago. But a group of five college presidents and five uh, bishops gathered, uh, the Higher Education Working Group. I was a facilitator 
at the Mission of Our Lady of the Angels in Chicago in the first part of uh, July, uh, just kind of, again, looking and fostering the rapport between bishops and, the, and leaders of academic institutions, how this uh, vital mission of education and formation, not simply of young people, but all of us who involved in any way through pre-K to uh, higher education, uh, continuing to look at uh, the issues. And uh, one of the uh, presidents, uh, Father Larry Hostetter, Brescia College in Owensboro, Kentucky, was talking about the impact of, you know, that even devout families, even the young women, their daughters, disturbed and unsure what to make of the Dodds versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. And so we've got a lot of uh, work and conversation and catechesis and evangelization to do within our own ranks. This is something, obviously, Kelly, you with the Pulse Light Advocates mm-hmm. and your role there is something that you've been about. But uh, we need to, to recognize we can't presume that uh, people are receiving this with joy as good news, that uh, the long-awaited prayers that Roe versus Wade would be overturned. And so we want to kind of get into some of those fine-grained details. And who better than Tom Chapman? All right. We're <laughs> going to take a quick break. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio, provided by Knights of Columbus, Borman, and Pfeiffer Agencies, serving the Catholic families in Iowa. Knights of Columbus is a fraternal benefit society, providing financial security to members and their families, specializing in life insurance, long-term care insurance, disability income insurance, retirement annuities, and you can reach Knights of Columbus field agent Dan Genther at 563-689-6801. That's 563-689-6801. Thank you, and God bless. St. Vincent de Paul helps so many people. You're right, Zoe. St. Vincent de Paul Executive Director Steve Havman here. We are serving over 32,000 local residents with food, clothing, furniture, and financial assistance annually. We invite you to learn more about all of our life-changing programs that positively impact so many Iowans by simply Googling St. Vincent de Paul of Des Moines. Our mission is to help those in need become self-sufficient through education, community connectedness, and unconditional support. Help us help others. Even kids! Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. We are back with Tom Chapman, Executive Director of the Iowa Catholic Conference, the public policy voice of the bishops of Iowa. On today's show, we're visiting about the overturn of Roe versus Wade, but also the latest on pro-life rights here in Iowa, including the Iowa Supreme Court's ruling that abortion is not a fundamental right. So good. Uh, you know, speaking about collegiality, Tom, I always feel like, uh, you know, you're a colleague in all the right things in terms of trying to be really the, the one who translates the, the church's teaching and faith and morals into the, the, the larger society and a great uh, respected figure by not only both sides of the aisle, but uh, by uh, some of our government leaders and other voices who are also trying to shape public policy. So Supreme Court, obviously, in the month of June, uh, did, did some seismic things here as well, and we'll obviously focus more perhaps about the Dobbs decision, but there were a few other decisions that shook down too. Exactly. I mean, certainly, you know, on the abortion issue here in Iowa, the state Supreme Court found that there was not a fundamental right to abortion in the state constitution. So they reversed a decision that was really just from 2018. And then, of course, at the federal level, we saw the Dobbs decision, which reversed Roe v. Wade basically in total, which has been around for 
you know, 50 years or whatever. So it's really kind of amazing what we've seen just in the last, you know, month here in, in the, our nation and state. As they would say, you know, you can't make this up. And those who maybe have a little more jaundice view would say, wow, was this orchestrated? Iowa's decision came down the week before the Dobbs decision. And yet these were totally independent uh, things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just an indicative of how really the problem, one of the problems with Roe v. Wade is that it really took it out of politics and just put it into a judicial discussion. And so there could be no more debate about it. Well, of course, on an issue like this that relates to life, people are not going to give up on it. And so legislatures over the years have kept trying to kind of chip away at that and trying to pass laws that would protect, you know, unborn children. And so, you know, finally, some of these uh, came to fruition with a, a different set of judges with a different judicial philosophy. And so we got a different decision, which I think will be helpful, at least if nothing else, it puts it back into politics and we can argue about it and have a decision. And there can be people feel like they're involved in the process. You know, and then there are those, you know, legal types, you know, who say, well, you know, stare decisis or decisis for us Latinists. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, that you, you've got to respect precedent and we have to allow that kind of continuity. But the, the the courts have turned over. And, of course, even Roe versus Wade and the 2018 Iowa Supreme Court decision, that was a massive overturning, right? A kind of judicial oh, exactly. fiat. I way. mean, there was no thought in Iowa's Constitution or in the federal Constitution, certainly when we were founded, that there was any right to an abortion. And so that was a novelty. And I think it's fair to say that the novelty has been overturned and we're back to that status quo. Okay. Um you know, prior to becoming bishop and some of these events that transpired as a, a kind of a interested bystander in this, but you were in the thick of this, some of the decisions that uh, led to even kind of calling the question in 2018 with the heartbeat law and the 24-hour waiting period, which both of those have resurfaced with Iowa Governor Reynolds now. But can you tell where those were maybe problematic and were not necessarily helpful, even though ultimately in the cause of life, we would be supportive? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we've been talking about abortion policy for a long time, and certainly in the time that I've been at the Iowa Catholic Conference. And you know, Iowa passed a ban on telemedicine abortions, you know, webcam abortions that was overturned. So uh, we came back and did a, uh, you know, what was a three-day waiting period before an abortion and a ban on abortions after 20 weeks of pregnancy. Because the status quo for many decades in Iowa that it was that you could have an abortion at any point in pregnancy if it affected your life or health. And that was a decision that was made by the doctor and the woman together. Most broadly construed with yeah, health very, is. Yeah, it yeah, could yeah. be mental. It could be, and really could be anything. And so that was the status quo until really 2017. And then this is when the 20-week you know, prohibition was put in place, and that was never challenged, you know, and so that's still in place, and that's the status quo in Iowa right now. Uh, what was challenged was the three-day waiting period, you know, that was taken away, so the legislature went back to a 24-hour waiting period um, that was enjoined, and so now that's actually still in the legal process. And so we are, where we are right now in Iowa, there's a 20-week ban, and some uh, clinics have said, well, we're going to institute a 24-hour waiting period, but that's not really required under the law right now. That's going to go back to court for proceedings. Yeah, the district court near Iowa City, I believe. Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, and yet Planned Parenthood, at least putatively, is capitulating. Yeah, it's, so you know, far. Yeah, so far. We'll yep. see what they what they do in that regard uh, as well. Uh, just, uh, just again, uh, 
kind of tickling the memory of people. But there were some other decisions that uh, overall, as Catholics, we would be very pleased about and grateful in terms of Carson versus Macon and the Kennedy decision, among others. Yeah, you know, Carson's, uh, Carson versus Macon had to do with a main law where if your town didn't have a high school, the state would give you money to go to another high school. Um, but the state uh, and the attorney general there interpreted that as you could not use that money at a private school that was religious. And so we got a very good Supreme Court decision, which frankly was the third in line of some other court decisions over the years, would, where the uh, Supreme Court basically said the First Amendment, you know, you cannot keep benefits away from a situation where it's just because it's religious. So it's not saying that the state has to fund religious schools. It's just saying if you fund other options, you can't exclude religious schools just because you're religious. So that question is really now decided, you know, and and that's been debated for over 100 years here in Iowa. You Mm -hmm. know, what does our constitution mean? I think that's decided. And so I think at this point, the state state would be free, you know, constitutionally to pass, you know, scholarships that would help children go to religious schools. And we've been working on that for a long time, and we're going to be back at that in January. Right. And this does not violate the Establishment Clause. It's just respecting the Free Exercise Clause and saying, you know, that ultimately the public good is served by any institution, public or private, that is forming our young people. And yes, if there are... uh, particular denominational or, you know, as they would say, uh, 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 sectarian, you know, I don't like that (laughs) word, uh, but, you know, that, uh, you know, identifying self with a particular notion of ultimate questions, God and our own identity. But uh, and then Kennedy as well, the prayer, uh, you know, is uh, an expression of free speech. Yeah. And that's another decision that is, I would say, was not totally unexpected, but they're saying private religious prayers, you know, are not enjoined by the Constitution. There was a coach that led prayers after the game. No one was required to participate. It was actually his own private prayer, but others could join if they wanted to. There was no consequence if you weren't interested. And the school district fired him for doing that. Um, And the Supreme Court said, no, that was his private prayer. The Constitution is okay with that. And so once again, I think it's a clarifying thing that just says, if you're not really trying to, you know, coerce people into prayer. It's it's certainly possible to do that. And so we were happy to see that. And I think the Supreme Court over the past 10 years has pretty much said, you know, in terms of religious um, practices that you should be able to practice your religion in public if you'd like to do that. So we are very pleased to see that one as well. Okay. And we want to talk about some positive legislative initiatives and things that we'll be advocating for come around in the fall. But I guess as the, the virulent reaction to Dobbs versus Jack and Jackson women, there's a lot of misinformation that is in some ways being perpetuated by the mainstream media. We see, you know, the uh, large-scale uh, demonstrations, you know, pro-choice demonstrations even in Iowa. What, you know, I, I didn't give you a chance to kind of maybe prep in this way, but what is Dobbs and what isn't Dobbs saying? <laughs> well, Dobbs was very simple. It just said there's not a right to a constitution or not to a right to an abortion to be found in the federal constitution. So that decision effectively put it back into the political arena in the states. And so you're seeing a state by state reaction. You know, there will be some states that will do everything they can 
to enhance access to abortion. There will be other states that will do probably everything they can to, you know, stop access to abortion and try to protect unborn children. So we're going to see that kind of state-by-state response. One of the problems we've seen here in Iowa with our uh, we're an access state at this point, and so we've seen over the years the number of abortions uh, for residents coming out of state has been increasing. So I think we here in Des Moines, we've been seeing people from Missouri, you know, coming north. I think we've been seeing people in Sioux City coming over from South Dakota as that access has stopped. In fact, Planned Parenthood and Sioux City's opening five days a week now. They were open one day a week. Now they're open five days a oh, week. Okay. That's, that's so we're seeing that kind of sad. reaction. And I think that's why we've been so concerned about making sure people know that services and help is available if you find yourself in that situation. And a lot of families have found themselves in that situation. And sometimes I think they just, there's such a panic, they don't realize that there is help available, you know, to take a step back and see, you know, even in Iowa, the state has always had a robust robust Medicaid program. You know, we have a great public school program, put a lot of resources into that. You know, there's private Pregnancy counseling centers, which uh, should be getting some assistance here from the state in the coming year. I mean, so there are things that are available through our parishes that we just want to make pe- make sure people know about that. Yeah, and you know, and again, at the more of the political uh, debate and arguments that are levied, you know, what you do see, and it's an argument I think that can be turned on its end, is that they say uh, the they those who oppose uh, the Dobbs decision that this is going to be prejudicial against uh, women of minority status or poor women. You know, that they're going to be suffering Suffering inordinately because they're not going to have the means, or, you know, and they're not. Maybe the companies are not going to subsidize, you know, travel for for abortions or other purposes. But really, they're in a position where they don't have choices to begin with, perhaps to uh, to nurture and to you know, receive the life and, and sustain a pregnancy. Yeah, things are always different for people who don't have money, you know, who are struggling, and so. You know, I, I look at it this way. I mean, there are so many big national companies that are going to pay, you know, pay for people to travel to have an abortion. I mean, it's kind of a backwards way. You know, I think it's a it's a backwards way for them to help. It's I think it's fair to say that it might be cheaper for those companies to pay for that than to pay for children and in their health insurance coverage over the coming years. You know, there's a money factor there that I don't think we can dismiss that that's a factor. Um, so it'll be disappointing if that's the reaction across the country, but we've got a lot of work to do, I think, in making sure people feel like they're welcome. But I'd like to also think, have people think about ahead 20 years from now, you know, how many wonderful people are we going to have, you know, that we weren't going to have before? What can they offer to society? You know, Mm -hmm. the people that are going to be in our churches, you know, and in our society and in our community groups. And I I think we want to keep our eyes on the prize as far as that's concerned. You know, and as corporate America, you know, they're looking to enhance the diversity of their workforce. This is exactly the very thing that would be one of the means to achieve that end. You know, I think we're not trying to instrumentalize human beings, but simply this is, this is the wealth of our country is in its people and in the, the next generation to come versus the 60 million who are not among us and you know that that horrible uh, 
gap and people are there. It's going to be a, a practical challenge. I note the Wall Street Journal editorial kind of saying tracking abortion, which was never an easy thing, particularly with the tele, so-called telemedicine, you know, the interventions with the RU486 and other things. It's going to get even murkier as these kind of access to care things are, are uh, ramped up in some way to aid access, as it's called, when abortion becomes more restricted. So um, Iowans going to face that too. You know, we don't, we're not going to be able to track numbers. So there'll be those who put numbers out there. You know, well, that's and, the difficulty we've had. Off. I mean, a long time, you know, kind of priority for the Catholic conference has been to be uh, getting better statistical reporting of what's actually happening. Really the state, you know, just keeps very, very small amount of numbers in terms of did it happen um, what's the age and where are they from in a general geographic? Are they out of state or are they not out of state? And then there's some geographical, you know, uh, places that they keep track of. But it's the statistical reporting. We don't know how many injuries there are, you know, from abortions or complications. We don't know any of that. And so and it's all self-reported, of course, and it's not really, you know, followed up on. So it's difficult to say. And I think, once again, it's going to be a state by state response, you know, and some uh you know, states like California really just don't report. And so you don't know how many, how many, you just don't know. So I think that's something that, you know, if nothing else at the federal level, they could look at some kind of unified reporting system. But yeah. And in what other area of medicine would this be acceptable that we would not have the data? Yeah. You know, zero. Right? <laughs> you know what, are we afraid of the science here? I mean, you yeah, know, to really right. say what is the case, you know, to, mm -hmm. to look reality in the face and not blank. Right or to obscure this, you know, if this is a if this is seen as an inherent good, which is abominable to to many of us, uh, why what, what do you have to why wouldn't be you afraid of? Know right? what's going on? No, right? we're not mm -hmm. we're not disclosing uh, women's identity or, or anything, but uh, mm -mm. the providers that are there. So okay, the critical tone. I can't help myself once in a while, but uh, these are things that <laughs> many of us are passionate about. But uh, on the positive note, and this came out even I made a reference in the in the first segment. You know, the presidents and the bishops were gathering and, uh, you know, that uh, it's not, you know, we need to announce good news all the more. You know, the initiative of the USCCB, you know, walking with moms in need, you know, checking those sites, the thousands upon thousands of initiatives throughout this country, which are supporting women, families, fathers and others, you know, who might otherwise fall through the cracks. Yeah, here in Iowa, we uh, helped with the Pro-Life Fellowship just to try to get a basic count of how many pregnancy support centers there were. Some uh, of those like to remain very quiet, and you don't really almost know they're there until they help somebody. But, I mean, just a very basic count. There's over 40 in the state, you know, that are operating already. I, mean, I found Hamburg, yeah. Atlanta, yeah. Shenandoah, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I had no idea how many there were, frankly. And, Creston, so, and yeah. there's many more than that, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but that gives you an idea of the the number of people that are really re ready and wanting to help. You know, that's, I think, the message we need to get out, ready, willing, able to help you. Um, and I hope we can do a better job. I know even um, Catholic Charities in Dubuque is taking a look at what they're going to be doing for that Walking with Moms. So, Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we return. We'll visit with Tom Chapman. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network.
Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarah strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org, joinserra.org. Thank you, Sarah, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Would you like to get more involved as a volunteer? Intervisions Healthcare empowers at-risk women facing an unplanned pregnancy to make life-affirming decisions. But our nursing staff can't do it alone. Our unplanned pregnancy clinic seeks dedicated advocates, receptionists, and nursing volunteers to meet the needs of hundreds of at-risk patients we see each year. If you are a people person who wants to help moms with unplanned pregnancies, contact us today at 515-440-2273 or visit ivhcare.org. Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. We are back with Tom Chapman, Executive Director of the Iowa Catholic Conference. You know, I'm struck as there are those who, you know, either denounce the U.S. Supreme Court or the Catholic Church that this is a power play by men. But, uh, you know, the advocacy by so many in the pro-life movement who are, you know, who the women are, have the, the strongest voice. You know, we think about the voice of women in the church. Pope Francis is definitely being a little prophetic there in some ways. You know, he's even appointing two women to the dicastery, which appoints bishops. So, you know, the glimmers of hope here, too. But, mm-hmm. but Kelly, as a woman who obviously ardent about the cause of life, uh, what would you encourage uh, us to say to, you know, what would you say to uh, these young women who are troubled by this uh, most recent decision uh, on uh, Dobbs and, and Roe versus Wade being overturned? Yeah, I guess, you know, f- from my perspective, personally, if I, I, I were to share something on Facebook recently, when the decision came down, it was the feast day of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which seemed very providential. It was also the birthday of the woman who started the March for Life. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. And then when it's not the year of the Feast of the Sacred Heart, it's the Feast of the Nativity of uh, St. John, right, uh, who baptized John Jesus. John the Baptist. He was the mm-hmm. first one to recognize Jesus. He was also in the womb. So, uh, you know, I, put, I shared that on Facebook. I had a cousin who was sad and said government needs to stay out of women's bodies. But it, it's not our body. It's the baby's body. And just when, if I were to visit with young women, I would say, you know, it's a panic mode. I would say, hey, just stop. And think this will affect you the rest of your life. I've heard so many stories of women who panic. They, society tells them, Planned Parenthood tells them, it's the easy way out. It's the right thing to do. It's best for your future. This follows these women the rest of their lives. So many of them are scarred, have mental health issues. There are statistics that show suicide, um, alcohol and drug addiction and or abuse is higher in women who have had abortions. I'm not saying that's the case for every single woman. But it will affect you the rest of your life, and it'll definitely affect your relationship with God. Yeah. And so, you know, really kind of holding out a lar- larger horizon of what, what ultimately is going to bring your peace, mm-hmm. your, your joy, your, your self-love, as well mm-hmm. as love. And, for, and that's you know. not me judging either if there are yeah. women listening who have yeah. had an abortion. I hope that, you know, there's for always forgiveness, for, you know, a chance to make amends. I'm not judging. I'm trying. I just don't think abortion helps women. I don't. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for that perspective. So things then that, you know, obviously the, the, the pain that it might ensue, but what are the ways in support and even in Iowa, some of the initiatives and tied perhaps for women who are, who are coming into our, our communities, our state and the support that we might offer, Tom? 
Well, I think there's a lot of support that's there. You know, if you look first towards Catholic charities and think about even uh, immigrants who are coming to our country, um, they need a lot of support. We have a lot of uh, resettlement services that Catholic Charities does here in the in the Des Moines area, which is very helpful. There are other many uh, services that support migrants. You know, there was even a Supreme Court decision that allowed the Biden administration to kind of wind down the Remain in Mexico program, which is where people come to the United States and look for asylum for various reasons. And they they have a right under international law and our law to be adjudicated, you know, so that was a positive decision. I, I just think, you know, that's that's one thing I think our country needs to keep looking at, too, is, you know, the DACA program, which is just administrative relief for people who came to the country with their parents and they don't have papers. That's been around for 10 years. In other words, Congress has done nothing in 10 years to try to, you know, regularize any of that situation. And so, you know, there's a lot we need to do both pastorally, but also in the public policy arena to try to protect all people. Yeah, and so the broader lens of what a culture of life, a human ecology, as our holy, many uh, pontiffs have uh, held up to us. Getting back to those practical support in our few remaining seconds, the more options for maternal support did pass. We were some of us were disappointed about the level of support. Where what's your focus as you come into the fall in a few seconds? Yeah, right now what we're trying to do is uh, help them get the rules together together for the program, and then the program will roll out probably in a few months. You know, and then start to reimburse pregnancy support centers for services will be available to those that don't refer for abortions. And so I anticipate a lot of the pregnancy support centers we talked about and hopefully even Catholic charities groups in the state will take advantage of that. Well, Tom Chapman, always our go-to guy for all mm-hmm. things in the in the <laughs> legislative political realm. Thanks for making time. You're welcome. This has been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org.